We started into Habakkuk um, last time, a few weeks ago. We overviewed and looked at the dialogue with God. There's Habakkuk's petition or request, as you would say, or inquiry. Then we have the Lord's response, and that's what we've read in chapter 1, verses 1 through to 11. The initial inquiry from Habakkuk to God, and then God's response. There's a repeat of that, the same principle, another conversation with God, and then the the, the, uh, the letter finishes, or the, the book finishes, with uh, a prayer of praise to God. So we looked at that and looked at the attitude of prayer and what was there brought out in, in, in Habakkuk's sort of preparation and attitude in prayer. We're going to look at the first four verses today of uh, chapter one, which is really um, what Habakkuk says to God. And this is Habakkuk's burden as we read in Verse 1, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Again, with uh, Habakkuk, we know very little of him. We're told very little about him, which often draws the, 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 the very important point that it's not about Habakkuk. We don't need to know any more about him. Let's look beyond Habakkuk and see the message that God has for us. What we do know is his name, and that usually is a good indication as to something of the character of the person because the, the Lord has given these um, servants' names. And Habakkuk can either mean to clasp or as a strong embrace. So that's quite an interesting description of uh, the name. So what else do we know about Habakkuk? Well, we, we are told that he was a prophet. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. It's an interesting choice of words there, isn't it? That, that the burden that he did see. Because the prophets were also called <coughs> seers. Because they could see things that had been revealed to them. It was as if it was real for Habakkuk. He had seen these events. Now, when we read in in, um, verse 6 there that it says, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, this was some way off. So Habakkuk did not see the rising of the nation here. This was him seeing it as the Lord spoke to him and told him that this would come to pass. It's also important to remember that that, um, prophets didn't see and know everything. And we've got very clear evidence of that in verse 2. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? How long? He didn't know the answer. Why are these things happening? How long shall I cry? So everything hadn't been revealed to him. Just because he was a prophet doesn't mean he knew everything. He knew what the Lord had for him to know. The role of a prophet has been said many times, um, can be covered in two functions, to foretell 
and to foretell. So they would foretell the future. As we know, many of the prophets foretold the coming of the Messiah. Some of the other prophets foretold the destruction of the nation. And that was Habakkuk's, one of Habakkuk's burdens was the judgment that would come upon them. He would foretell the future. But their main focus really was to foretell, as it were, to, to preach the word. There is no point them telling people the judgment of God is coming if they weren't doing anything about it on a daily, regular basis. So they would be preaching and teaching and exhorting the people. That would be the two functions of the prophet, to foretell and to foretell, to tell forth the message of God. And in preparation, as I was looking around this uh, passage, two things really stood out to me um, from the introduction to Habakkuk here. And one of them is the phrase, the burden, which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. So we'll look at the burden. And the second thing that struck me was, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? How long shall these things be? So we'll look at those two, two points. The burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. Now really and truly, this will cover the three chapters because it's the revelation that he has had but we're going to focus it on this initial uh, passage here which we will see in verses 2, 3 and 4 and it really is divided into three parts two of which we will look at today and the third part sort of follows nicely into the next part the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see chapter 1 verse 2 O Lord how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even cry unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me and there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked. Judgment doth never go forth for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth he was burdened by these things that were happening how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear even cry out unto the inviolate of violence and thou wilt not save the nation was in a terrible state Everyone was doing their own thing and the law was not being upheld and God's law was being trampled underfoot. The first burden that Habakkuk had was the regard that the people had for God. He was burdened by this lack of respect, this lack of obedience, this disrespect for God. And this is where we should always start. It should always start with God. Habakkuk wouldn't be starting with himself. Why me? Why are these things happening to me? He may think that sometimes, but the starting point is, Lord, why are these things happening to you? 
Why are you allowing these things to happen? Why are you allowing these people to defame your name? He was a spokesman for God. He had been chosen by God. He had been given a work to do for God. So his primary concern would be for upholding the name of God. I found a little booklet that um, that used to belong to my dad uh, by Martin Lloyd-Jones on uh, Habakkuk. Um, And I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember, I didn't write the quote down, but he said something along the lines of when spirituality fails or falls or the level of spirituality fails and falls, moral and political standards follow. And this is exactly what's happened here. (coughs) The nation of Israel has backslidden. The church, as it would be, has fallen away. The temple worship was um, blasphemous in many ways and horrendous and people were serving false gods and not serving the true God. And when that happened in, in the temple and in the church, as we would call it, the moral and political situation followed. Standards fell. Judgments, as we're reading here, were not being carried out. Justice wasn't given. Wrong justice was meted out. That that's so common, isn't it? We can we can work our way through the Bible at times. You know, that's exactly what was happening in the days of the judges when the Lord sent judges because the the, the people backslid and then the nation was um, uh, became corrupt and then God judged them by sending enemies in to to judge them. And that's ultimately what will happen here. And then they repented and God sent a judge and the nation was restored. But it was ups and downs throughout the whole of the Old Testament. The New Testament being much shorter, even in then you can see glimpses of it in the churches that were established. We move our way through church history. We can see some, some examples again before the Reformation the state of the nation because the, the church had so far fallen that political and moral standards fell. Pre-Whitfield and Wesley, the, the, the state of the nation was abysmal. But the Lord revived through, through uh, the Reformation and the Great Awakening. And again, today, do we need to look any further than today? If we were to read this passage here as if it was said by somebody this week would we challenge it and say that's not true we would buy every single word of this wouldn't we as of today why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me and there are those that rise up strife and contention the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth for the wicked doth compass about the righteous We see that every day, don't we? Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. His regard for God was the burden because nobody else regarded God as they should. The second burden 
that troubled Habakkuk was the state of the nation. And we've touched on that really, haven't we, as we've read about that and it leads very nicely into this. People mistreating other people, exploiting other people. Generally, those who are less able, less advantaged, those who are not capable of taking care of themselves were exploited. The law givers, the law makers and the law keepers and enforcers were not administering faithfully. How often do you look at the laws that are made today and think, that is so wrong, that is so far from God's word? A simple example, how often do we read of street preachers being arrested for preaching the gospel. It's a hate crime now. Preaching the gospel is a hate crime. Political correctness means that we are turning everything on its head. We were talking the other day there about transgender athletes not being allowed, some not being allowed to compete at the Olympics and the outcry at some of these things. And that's it's only a sporting occurrence, but it's the principle behind it. The nation and nations have turned away from God. And this was the burden that Habakkuk felt. The third burden that he felt will follow, and we will look at this in more detail next time, God willing. But if you read verse 5 and 6, Behold, ye among the heathen, this is the Lord speaking now, Behold, ye among the heathen, and regard. So you get a double pay attention there, a behold and a regard, and wonder marvellously. For I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it will be told you. For lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. Lord, how long can I, shall I cry unto you and you'll not hear? I've heard, and I will answer, and the answer will be this. The Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, shall march through the breadth of the land and possess it. The land is going to be taken. Can you imagine praying to God that the Lord would judge the nation? And then the Lord tells you, yeah, I will judge the nation and it will be destroyed. Can you imagine that? Then that would become a burden, but we will focus more on that. Again, the burden that Habakkuk has for his people and the burden that Habakkuk has for his God. That then prompts a very real question for us. Do we have that burden? Do we have the same burden for God's name being defamed? Do we have the same burden for God's laws being trampled underfoot? Do we petition the throne of grace and say, Lord, judge this people? Do we still have the same burden for the state of the nation, the backsliddenness of the nation? We could list it and go on forever listing the the, the indignations, couldn't we? But we need to just think, do we have this same burden that Habakkuk had, that we call upon the Lord 
that we cry to the Lord. And there's a challenge for us from Habakkuk, to have a burden and to follow through with that burden and call upon the Lord because we can't deal in our own strength. The first point then, the burden of Habakkuk. The lack of regard that people had for God and then the state of the nation as it was before God. And then the pending punishment, which we will cover next time. The second thing then that stood out to me was this um, phrase, O Lord, how long shall I cry? How long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. Well, the answer to that comes next time because the Lord answers. Uh, the actual answer to that comes into that question. When I was thinking about this, I, I was I thought that one of those most annoying phrases that people use, how long will this be? How long will it take? Well, how long is a piece of string? Do you know, it's a really frustrating answer to a question. There's none of that with the Lord. Habakkuk asked and asked, then he was given the answer. It will be this, and the Chaldeans will come. I have the time. I have set the time. So really, in terms of the actual answer to the how long, we will come to that. But the fact that he had to ask the question is a reminder to us that, as I said earlier on, that the prophets are not all seeing and they are not all knowing. They do see and they do know what the Lord reveals to them for their benefit and for the nation's benefit. But they don't know everything. Only what is revealed to them. Likewise, we don't know everything. As clever as we may think we are, as clever as the world thinks it is, it doesn't know everything. Adam and Eve wanted to know everything, didn't they? Which led them to um, the forbidden fruit. We don't know everything. But we can know a lot more. That's the important thing. And by reading the scriptures, by meditating upon them, by studying beyond the reading, we can know more. What do the scriptures teach us? They teach us about God and his laws. Back to the first point that we made, it starts with God. The scriptures teach us about God. How long? How long shall I cry and you not hear? So that suggests a perseverance, doesn't it, in prayer. How long shall I carry on praying that and you don't hear? So that wasn't the first prayer he'd ever made on this topic. This was a burden clearly as evidenced by his persistence and his perseverance in prayer. How long shall I pray and you not hear? Again, you could wonder, did the fact that he hadn't heard because God was because he wasn't listening? 
Perhaps it may be that, we don't know. Perhaps the Lord just hadn't responded to him at that point. The Lord is under no obligation to respond to Habakkuk. It will come. Be patient. Not the time. The answer could have been wait. But the fact that he keeps on praying suggests, as we've touched on already, that he had a care for the victims, those who were being mistreated and who judgment and justice wasn't helping. Judgment never goes forth and the wicked do compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. So there was obviously a lot of wrong judgment going forth and you can imagine it's being the, the rich were buying their way out of trouble um, and buying justice for themselves and the poor were being exploited. It would suggest that there is a care How long shall I carry on praying for the oppressed? Can you see the embrace there around the the care for the people? And as somebody else has suggested, fitting in with his name to clasp or to embrace, this is Habakkuk wrestling with God. Do you remember Jacob wrestled with the Lord? that he wouldn't let him go until he blessed him. Sometimes our prayers have to be like that. I will not let you go until you bless me. Sometimes our studying of a passage of scripture has to be that way. How often do you read a passage and think, no, didn't understand that, and you read it again and again. Right, I will not let you go until you bless me, and then you have to take the time and sit and work through it And then the Lord opens your heart, opens your eyes, opens your mind, and you are blessed. In all of the difficulties and all of the strain of this tone of prayer, there was obvious blessing in there for Habakkuk. How long shall I cry and you'll not hear? We said earlier on there that the duty of of the prophet was to foretell, but also to foretell, to preach to the people. So really, it would be a case of how long, in addition to my praying to you, Lord, shall I carry on preaching to this unregenerate nation? How long shall I minister to these people who mistreat and abuse their position, who mistreat the the Lord and God. They wouldn't be one without the other. He wouldn't just have been a mouthpiece for God as God revealed. He would have been preaching also. And we touched on this in Sunday school this morning when Noah was building the ark for that 120 years. He wouldn't have just been building the ark for that time. There was a period of grace where the people had the opportunity to repent and to join Noah in the ark. Jeremiah preached against such opposition. John the Baptist preached against so much opposition. The reformers preached against opposition. And we touched on John Wesley and George Whitfield. They preached against incredible opposition. How long... Shall we continue praying? How long shall we continue preaching? How long? And you not answer. 
and you not here. When we read on, and, and we will come into this in the next time, as I said, God willing, the Lord had answered. The Lord was preparing his way. The Lord was going to deal with these people. The time wasn't then. The time wasn't Habakkuk's. The time was the Lord's. And he would deal at that time. So the, the quite sort of pointed answer to the question, how long shall I carry on and you will not hear? You carry on until I say otherwise. And that's the same for us, isn't it? How long shall we carry on preaching, teaching, praying until the Lord says otherwise? Again, we touched with Les this morning on this, didn't we? Go into all the nations preaching, making disciples. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, to the end of time. Habakkuk, you carry on. You do your work as I have called you to. You will be blessed in that service, as difficult as it may have been. And so it is with us that we carry on. We face the difficulties. It's helpful to remember that the battle isn't ours, is it? The victory is is ours, it is assured, and the battle is the Lord's, and the victory is the Lord's. How long? Until I say otherwise, says the Lord. But don't think that the Lord, because of his silence, isn't responding. Now, in, in sort of um, application then, or conclusion, we, we may well ask the same question. How long? How long will this go on for us? How long will we face difficulties in this world? How long? We have a different focus though, don't we? We, we have the advantage of being able to look back over a lot more history than Habakkuk. We have the advantage of being able to read Habakkuk and learn from him, from his prophecy, that the words that the Lord gave to him. We have the advantage of looking back on a risen and glorified saviour after a completed work of salvation. We can learn from Habakkuk. We can learn from the answer. God is in control. But our question may more pointedly be, rather than the concerns of this world, how long, O Lord, will you tarry? How long until you return? We don't know the answer to that, do we? But we know who knows the answer, and it is a date that is already set. Again, it will happen. It is in his time. Well, we could turn that question again. How long do I have to repent? And this is for those who do not know and trust in Jesus Christ alone as their saviour. How long is there left to repent? The simple answer again is we don't know. Now is the appointed time. 
Today is the day of salvation. If you hear God's word, don't harden your heart. How long? Time is in God's hands. We don't control time. God controls time. We work according to his plans. So be mindful that this may be the last day. This may be the very last day that the earth exists. Are we in a position where we can all say that we are right with God? Have we repented? Have we confessed our sins and asked him to be our saviour, to take away our sins? How long, O Lord? And we finish that by saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.